captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now Podcast Network. Hey, you're listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We are a podcast on the GNN Geek News Now Network. Uh, we have been uh, out of your ear holes for quite some time, but you know, life has its ways of really kind of messing with you know your best laid plans. So we haven't really had a chance to record, but we're back. This is episode number 13. Uh, after the, the Christmas break, hopefully everybody had a, a fantastic holiday. Uh, my name is Jonathan. Uh, I am one of the hosts of the show. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great there, Jonathan. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. All right. So, well... In the last week or so, or even into the last couple of weeks, um, we've had a lot of interesting news coming out from both the Star Trek and the Star Wars worlds. Uh, so at this point, we'll dive into Star Trek news. Move the ship out of the asteroid field so that we can send a clear transmission. Captain, incoming message. Come closer, I have good news. So everybody, like they said back in the 70s, Star Trek lives. Paramount Plus recently released dates for the returns and premieres of the five, yes, five Star Trek series currently in production. Also announced were season renewals for each one of the series. So Star Trek seems like it's going to be here for a long time. So let's begin with, obviously, the one that's pretty much been on most recently is Discovery. So as of this moment season four is currently on a hiatus but it is scheduled to complete its season of 10 episodes starting on february 10th um discovery was also renewed for a fifth season which obviously was very excellent news for the fans of the show um so i'll be honest with you jonathan i have not gotten to watch discovery uh this season uh it's really it's been more of a time issue than anything I know the basics of the story. I know Michael Burnham is, is captain now, which I think they should have done from the beginning of the series to begin mm -hmm. with. Uh, but, you know, it, they did it the way they did it. And he, she's finally in the chair. Uh, I, I know that there's some sort of large gravitational anomaly that's affecting the galaxy this season. Uh, and really, that's all I know about the season until I can start watching it here. Um, so sure. where are you at in terms of your discovery watch? So, uh, I am caught up. Uh, Discovery has aired seven of the episodes this season so far before they went on holiday break. Uh, was it seven? It okay. was seven episodes. Seven episodes okay. have aired. Uh, I, I'm really liking the, the direction that the show's going. It, it feels like the Trek we've always wanted Discovery to be that mm -hmm. just never quite was, never quite got there. Uh, and, and I think, you know, a big part of that is because Michael Burnham is finally in the captain seat. Your your mm -hmm. your your character that you've built the entire show around is finally where she belongs. And yes. I, I think that really helps solidify and, and make it feel like Trek. 
And I think by moving the timeline of discovery, moving the ship so far into the future, into the 29th century, 30th century, that's where that ship truly belonged. As good as the second season was with the introduction of Pike and Spock and and the original Enterprise crew, it just still felt out of place. Um, yes, but but from season three and and on, I think it's really found its footing, and it's really it's really getting where it needs to be as a as a Trek series. Um, I, the production value has always been great, but the story content has what is what has suffered uh, from, mm-hmm. from the first couple seasons. So yeah, I, I'm excited to see the the show come back and see where it ends up. Do you want to move on to the next show item? Sure, absolutely. Since we're, we've already discussed a little bit about Captain Pike, that leads us into Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We finally got a premiere date for this show. Uh, the series premiere is scheduled for release on May 5th, 2022, with its 10-episode first season. And no surprise here, with as much fan excitement as there is for this show, the series has already been renewed for a second season without its first season even starting. So this show is definitely one I'm really looking forward to. We obviously got to see the new Pike and the new Spock and the new number one. So we got a basic foundation of what we're going to be going into in the show. We've already seen what some of the sets are going to look like. And we've already seen some of the characters that are going to be introduced. There are, I believe, maybe one or I think two new characters. I can't remember the names off the top of my head. But we also have some classic Star Trek characters coming back. We've got Nurse Chapel, we've got Dr. Mbenga, and we're actually going to see Uhura as a final year cadet on the bridge. So it'll be kind of bringing all of Star Trek together, kind of tying everything leading into the original series. Um, It's going to be very, very interesting to see what kind of stories they come up with. They're saying that they're going to bring the show more in line with the episodic nature of the original Star Trek. To be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to that. I was watching a little bit of uh, the original series season one just a a couple days ago, and I really miss that level of storytelling. I know the way TV and streaming services are now, shows go where they have these like long arcs, things like that. But I, I, I'm really looking forward to kind of like a, an episode of the week, kind of seeing what goes on, how they resolve it and moving forward. Um, what are your thoughts, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. You know, I, I'm really excited for the for Strange New Worlds in, in that episodic format, how, you know, you're not going to have a, uh, a, a threaded narrative going through the entire first season, how, yes. you, you know, each episode, you might have, you know, the, the a two-parter from time to time, mm-hmm. of course, but, you know, you're, you're not going to have that, uh, that, that narrative thread that everything is building and building and building and and don't get me wrong i do enjoy narrative television sure i just yeah there's there's nothing wrong with just having something be episodic and and having your story begin and end in one or two episodes Right. Absolutely. It, it's it's going to be nice to just kind of sit back and be like, ah, I, I'm satisfied for this week. Let's see what happens next week. And instead of that nail biting thing, like, you know, where it's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, so it, right. it'll both ways are fun, you know, either way, even back in the day with Deep Space Nine was on. It was nice to see that narrative going on, but still enjoying the basic episodic format that Star Trek usually had. And then Voyager had that episode of the week kind of thing going on. So I think it's going to be nice. It'll be refreshing since both other live action shows are, are really big on a long narrative, but uh, so it'll just be something new and something different. I think it'll be nice for a nice change for the fans. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. May 5th. 
is kind of uh, uh, well actually um on may 5th i'll be on vacation but that's okay we can always check in on social media see what we right. think about it that's you right. know yep exactly so let's kind of let's go on um sure we've got yeah. a lot to cover right Moving on to the final live action Star Trek series on this list, Star Trek Picard. It's 10 episodes second season is currently scheduled to premiere on March 3rd. So it's right down the road here for all of us. As everybody knows, the series was previously renewed for a third season, which is currently in production. Sadly, there was a recent COVID outbreak, though, on the set with 50 out of 450 crew members testing positive for the virus. This was reported to the public on January 3rd. Thankfully, the show was able to move forward and they were able to deal with the outbreak and was able to resume production on season three starting on January 7th. So there's a lot of excitement coming up with Picard. We've already had a a basic teaser trailer a month or two back. And we just had another, the official trailer released just a couple of days ago. We're going to get, we're going to talk a little bit about that trailer coming up here later on in this show. But I just thought right now, Jonathan, it would be kind of nice to just have a basic discussion about what season two is going to be bringing us and what our feelings are. So as we know, there's Q is going to be back for season two, which is obviously a big deal for us long-term Star Trek fans, just following Q from all the way from beginning of Encounter of Farpoint all the way through Next Gen to Deep Space Nine to Voyager. So seeing him again is going to be very, very exciting. And we already know it's going to kind of tie back to what Encounter of Farpoint initially brought to us all those years ago, which was that trial about the crimes of humanity. And Q even says the trial never ends. So basically what we seem to have gotten from that initial trailer was is Q somehow changes the timeline and turns the Federation from being this freedom and democracy to some sort of totalitarian regime. And so Picard and the La Serena crew, they decide they have to go back in time to repair whatever damage was done and set the timeline right again. Sounds like a pretty typical thing that Q would do for Captain Picard to try to challenge him. So... It's going to be very interesting to see how this goes on. Now, there was more added with this new trailer, which we'll get to in a little bit, but I can't wait for this. The one thing that I really love about Picard is there's definitely the nostalgia factor to play on with it. It's not like they they recasted all of these characters because of time or things like that. You've got Patrick Stewart, you've got Jerry Ryan back as Seven of Nine, and you've got a a pretty compelling cast of new characters as well. Um, And just, you know, time travel being a really big fun thing for Star Trek fans. Um, and then tying it back to some of Star Trek's history with everything with Encounter at Farpoint, I think it's going to make for a very wild season. Plus, it's going to make it realistic and relatable to us here in the 21st century because it literally takes place within a year or two of our present day. What about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, I uh, I know we, we we're going to talk a little bit more about the trailer. Uh, yes, you know, in in a bit. So it's kind of hard to really say a whole lot without giving sure. away what's in the trailer of course yeah, but yeah I'm, yeah I'm really excited for the show i mean who would have thought that a, a character that was introduced in 1987 still it has fans clamoring to see him on screen uh yes. and, and have him you know be the uh the the, the antagonist uh, for this entire season of of, of star trek picard yes uh, it's just it's 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 incredible. Uh, I've always been a Q fan ever since the very beginning, and mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait to see how this goes. I I I noticed that 
you know, with Picard appearing on March 3rd, and this is kind of a sidebar, that's there, and it's a 10 episode season two. So the 10th episode, according to the calendar, would be airing on May 5th, which is the premiere date for uh, Strange New World. So are we going to get, I wonder if we're going to get the final episode of Picard and the first episode of uh, Strange New Worlds on the same day. Yeah, I I absolutely guarantee that's the way it's going to be. I bet you that was planned so that you could have a nice transition. And basically, they'll probably promote it somehow. They'll probably call it like some big super Star Trek day or something like that. They'll make they'll build it up somehow yeah. in preparation. So, yeah, it's, that's a good catch. Without a doubt, that wasn't done. That wasn't a coincidence. <laughs> no way. Right. And I and I find it funny that it it's on May 5th. Which mm-hmm. is uh, obviously the day b- prior to May fifth is a big day for Star Wars fans. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that's, yes. That that provides yeah. another layer of of uh, humor and and probably uh, intent on the part of Paramount to uh, to make it happen the day after May the fourth. Sure, absolutely. And, and May fifth is what Revenge of the Sith Day. Revenge of the Fifth, yeah. Yep. So yeah. I mean, Revenge of the Fifth. That's right. I said Sith. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. All right. So let's move on. Let's get into some animated Star Trek here. So Star Trek Lower Deck seems to be very popular among the Star Trek fans for its humor, for the animation, for the fact that it continues on with a lot of continuity, or as some people call member berries. Uh, but it looks like um, we have season three coming of Lower Decks, and that is to be premiering in summer 2022 with 10 episodes. 10 episodes seem to be the thing with uh, with some of these current Star Trek shows coming out. Yeah. So we unfortunately don't have a specific date, but hey, at least we got we know summer. So there's something to look forward to around the summertime. Usually back in the day, summertime was a dead area for Star Trek. So it'll be nice to have some in the summertime. And as we, we can automatically assume, the series has been renewed for a fourth season. So my thoughts on Lower Decks, I definitely love the, that it takes place a few years after the Next Generation era. So it'd be a little bit after Nemesis. The uh, animation has, has been, I think, really, really good. The people don't look necessarily 100% human or humanoid. <laughs> They've got that Rick and Morty look to them. But I think it's easy to follow the show. Uh, it, it's relatable. And the fact that they bring in a lot of Trek lore helps, I think, people who are kind of disillusioned with Discovery make them feel a little bit better about current Star Trek. I know it does for me because I, I tend to be a continuity kind of person, not a gatekeeper, but just somebody who likes a little consistency. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what helps me draw into it. And I really I like the interactions with the characters. I know sometimes Mariner comes off as a bit of a, a wench. Um, the way she treats kind of certain people. But I like seeing the relationship that's building between her and Boimler. It's like, I don't know if you really watched the facts of life growing up. Um, I did not. That kind of missed me uh, by a few years. Yeah, yeah. It was one of my favorite shows growing up. And I see a lot of their friendship as the relationship between uh, the characters Joe and Blair. When they first met, they constantly butted heads with each other. They came from two different worlds. They saw life differently. But by the end of the series, they had become best friends. And they realized that the differences that they had actually made them stronger together. And that's what I really think is going to be happening with Mariner and Boimler. And you can see that in episode pieces of different episodes where she goes to bat for him uh, when, when he most needs it. And mm-hmm. he starts to see that maybe he's a little bit stuffy and maybe he needs to learn to lighten up and kind of bend the rules on things. 
you know, and, and, and that's true. It's kind of like that in real life too. Like I know for me, from experience being in a, a social worker, when I was in school, I was very by the book. Everything had to be very specific in certain ways. Then I get into the field and it's like, oh, heck no. Things have got to be, you got to kind of think on your feet and things are going to need to be modified based on the way things go while still following the basic format of what you've learned in school. And that's kind of like what's happening between them on lower decks. What I'm really hoping for, this is just a sidebar, since uh, lower decks is actually pretty doing pretty well and, and people seem to like it. I'm hoping for a Cerritos Hallmark ornament this year. Oh, that would be kind of cool. It'd be nice to finally, because we had the La Serena last year for Hallmark. I right. just got it. It's on my tree. I didn't take my tree down yet. It's still on my tree. <laughs> um, and uh, so I would love to see a Cerritos ornament. And a lot of the fans are clamoring for that as well. So what about you? What are your thoughts on Lower Decks? So I, what I've seen of Lower Decks, and I, I have only seen a, a little over half of the first season. I am so tragically behind on the show right now. Mm-hmm. It's not even funny. But I, I really, I really do enjoy the show. I, mm-hmm. I think it's it the 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 amount of respect and reverence it pays to Next Generation, while you know accomplishing exactly what it set out to do in being an animated comedy set in, uh, in, in Star Trek. I think at least the character animation, the character style being a little yes. more Rick and Morty than uh, than properly proportioned human beings or humanoids. Right. I don't know. I'm a fan of Rick and Morty, so that doesn't bother uh, me at all. It, it, the, uh-huh. Nothing about the show bothers me. Like the mm-hmm. you know, the animation is solid. The voice performances are incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just haven't found time uh, among all the other stuff that I do to to really yep. get you know it deep and in, in, into the show and and watch it uh, and watch what i've missed so far uh again i fully intend to go there uh mm-hmm. i i i love the show i just need mm-hmm. to find time to get back into it and and you know when i don't have other stuff distracting me you know <laughs> exactly no i gotcha i gotcha like uh, like you and I were saying pre-show, I, I'm not really far into season two of Lower Decks myself. I've only watched the first three episodes. And again, that only comes down to time. It's not a, a lack of wanting to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to have the computer. And then, you know, with setting up my business, it's just been, that's been like my primary focus. So sure. Star Trek's been on the back burner. What I'm trying to look at it as, though, is that, you know, everybody right now got to watch all that. But you and I actually have something, even though we haven't watched it yet, we now have something to still look forward to. Right. Exactly. You know, so it's all in about that glass half full, half empty <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yep. So we still got a way to kind of look and, and enjoy it. One thing I heard from just, or just kind of like from reading some synopses of some of the episodes, I guess the Packlids played a really big role in like a, a, a thread going through season two. Hmm. And I heard the finale was phenomenal. So... I think, you know, tonight, since I can actually have access to the computer tonight, I can actually, I think I might catch up on them tonight. Yeah. We need to get you a streaming stick, my man. Yes. <laughs> yes we do. I, my, my flash screen TV is from 2006, and we just have not bought a new t- TV in all these years. I guess yeah. it hasn't been on our priority, but I've been on my wife. I'm like, Brandy, we got to get a, a, a 
an internet capable TV. <laughs> we got I, to war way back in the times. I mean, you don't even necessarily have to do that if your TV is still working great and you're happy mm-hmm. with it. I mean, 2006 is really not that old. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not. It, it, and as long as you have an HDMI port, you can you can get like a Fire Stick or a Roku mm-hmm. and get the Paramount Plus app on there. That might be a better option and and uh, you know, much more economically feasible. I mean, you can snag a Fire Stick for 25-30 bucks. So sure. yeah. that's actually not a bad idea. You know, it's it's really something. I've been a Star Trek fan for over 30 years, and I am the most technologically illiterate person you will ever meet. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, yeah. I, I mean, for me, I'd be I guess I'd still be I'd probably do better with a TV that you just had to pull the knob out and turn <laughs> the dials. You know, I mean, it's I'm, I'm horrible when it comes to that. Maybe yeah. some people out there, you guys can help me figure some stuff out. I don't know, but I, I can't do it. So. <laughs> well, right. if you decide to get one, I, you know, just Ooh. ring me up. I can walk you through setting up. That's, that's you not got an it. issue. All right. Uh, our own technological shortcomings aside, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move along to Star Trek Prodigy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, we know that Star Trek Prodigy is currently airing its first uh, season. Uh, I believe the last few episodes are uh, set to air within the next few weeks. I think before we get uh, before we get Picard, we should get the rest of Discovery and the rest of Prodigy. Correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, and then that's only going to be the first half of season one. There's going to be another ten episodes with no uh, premiere date yet set. Correct. According to my research, it looks like the second half of the first season is scheduled to air toward the later end of 2022. Um, As a matter of fact, in doing research for this episode, I found out, I believe it was added up that there are going to be 51 new episodes of Star Trek with everything, all four or five of the series together throughout the year. So that's a heck of a lot of Star Trek that's going to be coming our way this year. Right? Yeah. I mean... (laughs) We are we are going to be very very busy keeping up with Star Trek for sure. Absolutely, and I'll be honest with you. Now with Prodigy again, I'm still a little bit behind, but I've watched episodes one, two, three, four, I believe, maybe five, <laughs> um, and I'm loving what I'm seeing. It's definitely got a it's got a Star Wars vibe to it. Definitely, like I, I definitely make the joke. You've got you've got Darth Vader being the the diviner, basically, <laughs> with him being in that. So I guess. To me, it's a back to tank that he's that he lives in. Right. And then you've got General Grievous there as his uh, second <laughs> in command. I can't remember the actual name of the robot uh, off the top of my head. And you've got this this motley crew of people. It kind of reminds me. And I've talked about this in another episode we did. It does feel like the crew from Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. The, the crew, the ghost, just younger. At, at this point, but you you see these these kids who basically were imprisoned on this this colony planet uh penal colony i guess if you want to call it with no hope nothing to live for nothing to work toward and then they find this this starfleet ship they manage to get off the planet and they're off having adventures and they're learning what it what it's like for the first time to actually have a purpose and what it means to help other people and work together as a team you know but at the same time you still have this villain that's coming after them trying to make sure that because he wants the ship. I just want to see for me, I don't know if they've even discussed it yet or not, but I'm very curious to see how the protostar got to the Delta quadrant, what its purpose was and how the diviner even found out about it at, right. at this point, you know, uh, you'll get the answers that you're looking for when you get to episode six, at least some of them. Uh, okay. Once you're on episode six, that while that 
you know, the, the, um, the origins of the protostar and a, a little bit more background on why the diviner is looking for it. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, that's the B plot in the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. The A plot is the, the Kobayashi Maru uh, mm-hmm. the doll tries to, um, to, to beat. Uh, that's kind of your A plot, but then the B plot is a little bit more detail and a little more info on how the ship came to be and how it came to uh, get the the you know the attention of the diviner. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, you're you're gonna get some answers, but uh, one thing I've noticed is that not all the answers come in one big gigantic exposition dump, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. they're spreading it out over the course of the the first ten episodes. Well, uh, of the of the first ten, eight have aired so far, and they're starting. You know, they're they're sprinkling some of the 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 ship's background in there. Mm-hmm. You know, all right. Well, good. I'm looking forward to checking those last few episodes out and seeing what's going on. I do know that with the episode Kobayashi, because I saw the pictures all over Twitter with uh the uh they were on the Enterprise D bridge. And mm-hmm. several uh, characters from Star Trek's past, specifically a majority of them of the actors who had actually passed on, mm-hmm. were actually helping Doll, I guess, with the Kobayashi Maru scenario. That's really all I know about it. Uh, but I thought that was a really, really nice touch. And I was actually I was talking with my twin brother on uh, Facebook yesterday, and we were we were noticing how much kind of going back to Lower Decks a little bit, but Lower Decks and Prodigy really harken a lot back to the original series in terms of bringing the original look back like if you you watch spock in 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 those pictures from kobayashi he's actually in an original series uniform Mm -hmm. and there was an original series spock uniform in a second season episode of lower decks as well and we were kind of like i wonder why they're doing that instead of kind of going along and doing it the way it would look more in the discovery the way it looks in discovery Mm -hmm. you know i don't know that i just we just thought that was just a side note but we just thought it was kind of interesting um, but I guess what they're trying to do is they're trying to tie it in and recognize that the original series did look that way. Right. You know, it's not, you know, even though they upgraded it for, you know, the 21st century, they're still paying honor to that. Yeah. So I think that's a really nice touch. I think even Uhura was in an original series uniform uh, yes. in that episode. Yes. Yes, she was. All right. Uh, so I think that's pretty much all the Star Trek news. Uh, yeah, we do have point. we do have a trailer to discuss, however. Yes. Um mm-hmm. The, the you know the the same day that we got the news about the premiere date for Star Trek Picard, we also got a an official uh, feature or I mean a, an official trailer for the uh, the second season on the twentieth of January. Yes, so absolutely, uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the trailer and the uh, the promotional material that was released you, around it? You got it. So according to the official Paramount Plus press release. Season two of Star Trek Picard takes the legendary Jean-Luc Picard and his crew on a bold and exciting new journey into the past. Picard must enlist friends, both new and old, to confront the perils of 21st century Earth in a desperate race against time to save the galaxy's future and face the ultimate trial from one of his greatest foes. So basically, the premise of season two, like I said in the earlier part of the episode, is the trial never ends. Q changes the timeline to make the Federation into a fascist totalitarian state. Picard and crew must travel into the past to undo the damage done to the timeline to return history to normal and restore the Federation. So there's definitely the first thing I thought of when I saw the trailer was yesterday's Enterprise was part of it, along with all good things. So we know that 
Q definitely has a history of making some sort of alternate timeline to test Picard. So now it, it, it would, it's going to be interesting to see why he actually made the changes to the timeline and to the Federation in the way that he did. Because in all good things, it was just more of like an alternate future for Picard. Now it's like the entire Federation is being changed. You know, what was the cause? What did Q make as the catalyst for that change? And what does the La Serena crew have to do to change that and set things into perspective? I think the highlight of this trailer, Jonathan, I'm sure you'll probably agree with me on this, is seeing Whoopi Goldberg back as Guinan, without a doubt. Oh, uh, I mean, absolutely. It, it finally puts to bed the, well, you know, will she be in it? I hope she's in it. Please let her be in it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And apparently uh, she's obviously running a bar uh, there in yeah. Earth. I okay. saw that. I, yeah, I don't know if that's 21st century Earth at that point or if it's the the alternate version of the 24th slash 25th century. Um, and I think they somebody said the bar is actually named 10 forward. I don't know if that's ah. true or not, but I, I, I can't. I'm one of those people. I can't. I have to go back and watch it like 10 times to yeah. find out the little details. Oh, yeah. You know, but I heard somebody say that. I, I don't know if it's true or not. But anyway, um, in the trailer, he actually makes the comment about a friend who has experience knowing alternate timelines. That harkens exactly back to yesterday's Enterprise because that's exactly what Guinan was doing. She had knowledge of the timeline change, and that kind of fueled the entire episode. So mm-hmm. nice little tie-in back from to a very popular episode. I right. think that's going to be wonderful. Yeah, um, I'm really, really excited for this show after the trailer. Uh, and and I mean, the other big reveal was we're going to get at least uh, an episode uh, with the Borg Queen which yes. is a very popular character. Of course, you know, uh, initially she was introduced in uh, the first contact feature film, but you mm-hmm. know, she appeared in Star Trek Voyager, now Picard. Did she appear anywhere else? I don't think so. There was a rumor that they were going to show the creation of the Borg Queen if Enterprise had gone on for season five. Apparently, Alice Krieger was going to come back as like a federation, not a federation, but a Starfleet scientist who ends up getting assimilated by those Borg that were in the 22nd century. And she would have become the new Borg queen that, that if you go on to memoryalpha.org, there's a mention of it there. Okay. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's really neat. That would have been a cool episode to have seen, but other than that, I don't think she's been anywhere else. What I'm part of what I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing what the role the Borg queen is going to play in this part of Picard. One thing that I'm happy that they did with this Borg queen is update the makeup a little bit. Because that was one thing I always thought of when I watched when she came back in Voyager initially in the fifth season for Dark Frontier one and two, she the the makeup was exactly the same as it was in First Contact. And my thought on it was, why does this Borg Queen look exactly the same as the one who died in First Contact? Do they all get like once a new Borg Queen gets created, do they all come like get modified to look exactly (laughs) the same? Or, you know, I could never figure that out. It didn't make sense to me. So this is actually one of those makeup updates and changes in with the newer Star Trek that I'm actually in agreement with because she does, she's got the same kind of look as the Borg Queen has traditionally had, mm-hmm. but they upgraded it and made it slightly different. So they make this Borg Queen unique. So that's, uh, so to me, that's a big deal to see that kind of an evolution in the Queen. Sure. Yeah. And, and I know it's the same actress that plays the Borg Queen every time, but it's not the same Borg Queen. So right. yeah, there should be some sort of subtle differences. And I, I, I would say well, that you know that her appearance in Voyager, the way they didn't, you know, why they didn't change the makeup was 
probably you know two reasons: one, recognition of the character, and sure. two, television budget. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and this time we're actually getting a different actress for the Boar Queen, right? Yeah, this will actually I think be the third person to play the Boar Queen. We had Alice Krieger in uh, First Contact, and she re- reprised the role in Voyager's finale, Endgame. But mm-hmm. then Susanna Thompson played her in Dark Frontier One and Two, and Unimatrix Zero One and Two. So, and she did. I thought she did a really good job too. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I think this is again the evolution of the Boar Queen. We get some different face with just a little bit of upgraded makeup. So it, it, it's going to be really exciting to see what role she plays. I'm with you on that. I am really excited about this season. Again, obviously the nostalgia plays a big part in it, but Whoopi Goldberg's my favorite actress. She's one of the funniest people I've ever, ever seen in mm-hmm. on TV or in movies. And she's extremely multi-talented. Um, I just can't wait to see her back in this role again and see what she brings into it. You know, just as a side note, I know we've had a lot of side notes today, but there are actually people on social media who are bashing Whoopi Goldberg's appearance just because she's heavier now and they're, they're calling her names and comparing her to Tilly from discovery and making fat jokes and stuff. And you know, what a shame, you know, I I mean, she's bringing her iconic character back. We haven't seen her in 19 years since nemesis came out. We're going to learn hopefully a little bit more about what she's been up to, whether, even if it's an alternate, it doesn't matter. Just seeing her back in character again is wonderful. We all get a little bit thicker in the middle as we get older, you know, why bash her about that? Be happy she's back and she came to do it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, what, what the hell's the matter with people? I just don't get it. I, I love the internet, but I hate it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's It really is the, the true Ooh. duality of our life. Bingo. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm hoping that we hear a little bit more. You know, maybe some fans will talk to us a little bit about what they think about the season two trailer. But I'm stoked. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've kind of exhausted all of the Star Trek news that has oh, come yes. up over the past uh, several weeks since we've had a chance to record. So let's move mm-hmm. on to uh, some of the Star Wars news, which there isn't quite as much. But, mm-hmm. you know, what what we do have is, is pretty significant. It was announced on January 21st in The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, they published an article online that... Mary Elizabeth Winstead will be joining the cast of the Ahsoka series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter said that she has signed on to an unnamed role in the series, along with Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, and Hayden Christian re- reprising his role as, as Anakin Skywalker uh, and Darth Vader in the show. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm not sure, Chris, if you've ever seen uh, probably her her biggest claim to fame was as Ramona Flowers in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Okay. Uh, okay. Did you ever I've see that movie? That. Okay. No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, I mean, it. It. it whew, I feel old. It came out twenty years ago already. <laughs> <laughs> we were in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, she also, you know, she's also made pretty memorable appearances in Ten Cloverfield Lane and the uh, the Birds of Prey movie that Warner Brothers and DC did a couple years ago. Okay. Um, I, I've seen her in everything except Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I've heard is a phenomenal movie and it's on my list, but it's mm. not something I've gotten to yet. So I'm really excited to see her, uh, you know, uh, pick up a character in Star Wars. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that's, she's a fantastic actress and, and I can't wait to see her on screen in Star Wars. Excellent. Um, yeah. So do you have you have you seen 10 Cloverfield Lane or Birds of Prey? Are you familiar honestly, with her? I can honestly say I have. That's OK. <laughs> I'm, you know what? You know, what's weird with me is I'm very like my interests seem very like like very like 
franchise specific. Like I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. Love Harry Potter, Battlestar Galactica, that kind of stuff. Everything else doesn't strike like an interest to me until I'm like, hmm, I've heard people talk about this. Maybe I better take a look and see what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's a blip on the far outside of your radar, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, but I am real I'm excited about this Ahsoka series. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I didn't I didn't I had heard rumors that Hayden Christensen was gonna be coming onto the show. So now he's gonna be in Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ahsoka. That's Hell correct. Yeah, this is yeah. great. I can't <laughs> wait for this, man. That 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 just made my day because I am I'm, I've told you this before I'm a huge fan of Hayden Christensen I think he did a great job as Anakin Skywalker and as Darth Vader I don't care what anybody else has to say about it I thought he brought a lot of humanity and emotion into the role um, I can't wait it's gonna be yeah. exciting yeah I can't wait for the rest of the Hayden songs to to hit us all um, exactly exactly and yeah exactly. Uh, absolutely uh, and I know you're not a big gamer but mm-hmm. I am uh, so. Mm-hmm. Finally, finally, uh, <laughs> after uh, almost two years, after nearly two years of delays, the Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga game finally has a release date, and we're finally getting it on April 5th. I mean, this game was initially supposed to come out in 2020, but of course, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, work on the game had to stop, and sure. they, they delayed it. Uh, so then it got delayed to early 2021, and uh, once that date came and went they pushed the game back again saying that they needed time to 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 refine the mechanics of the game because they were using a a brand new uh game engine that they had built from the ground up and they were having some uh weird issues getting everything to work perfectly and the way okay. the way they wanted to they didn't want to release a broken game so they pushed it back another year mm. but we finally uh, got an announcement that it's coming on April 5th. Uh, and, and along with the announcement of the release date, uh, they also, uh, Warner Brothers Games and Traveler's Tales, which is the, de- the developer that actually makes the Lego Star Wars games, uh, they released a six-minute look at the gameplay, story progression, side missions, and a, a couple. They threw a couple of the typical uh, humorous cutscenes into the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am super excited for this game. I, I am. I was starting to wonder if it was ever actually going to get released okay. uh, because it got delayed so long. But after seeing the gameplay trailer, I am sold hook, line, sinker, all of that, and I already pre-ordered it. So. Awesome. Now, is it, this is probably a really dumb question because they're probably all online. But do you play this online with people? No the um, the Lego Star Wars games have always been single player or couch co op. So okay. it, it's local co op only. Um, they have okay. never been online games, unfortunately. Which you know is fine. But I I was really hoping that we would get some sort of online component to this. Even like an online co op would have been cool. But as yeah. of right now, it doesn't seem like that's uh, going to happen unfortunately uh, okay uh, you never know something might happen in the future if there's a demand for it right. you never know right so. yeah the lego star wars games have always been among my favorites uh, they're just so they're just so fun um mm-hmm. and and you know it, it 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 treats star wars respectfully but it still puts uh, over the top lego humor in it uh mm-hmm. and and i am i'm always 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 going to be a fan Awesome. Awesome. Now, do you collect any of the Lego Star Wars sets? 
some i don't buy all of them i'll buy things that look cool like i have a um i have kylo ren's shuttle that i have yet to build i have a tie striker that i haven't built yet it's from rogue one um Uh i have a couple star wars rebel sets i have the razor crest from the mandalorian uh so yeah i'll buy things here and there i'm but i won't like i'm not big into like i won't buy the ultimate collector series the ones that are like multiple thousands of pieces like i don't i don't have the space to display or the space to build anything that massive Yeah, exactly. No, I gotcha. I'd kill for the Death Star or the Millennium Falcon, but I'm same with you. I have no space. Yeah. Yeah. You know. All right. Yeah, I need to get rid of stuff, not add more. Me too. <laughs> not gonna happen though. Right, right. Oh yeah, of course. Who am I kidding? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know how I've been following the Star Wars The High Republic, the books, the comics, the young reader and the junior reader stuff. It's the big publishing initiative from Lucasfilm Publishing where they're telling a story set about uh two hundred years prior to the events of Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Menace, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, they are wrapping up what they consider to be the end of phase one. Uh, so each so phase one had three sections and there was always it was released as basically you have an adult novel, a middle grades novel and then a young reader novel. Then okay. you have a comic arc uh, in the the star wars marvel line and then you have the star wars adventures line which is comics for young readers those are published by idw basically essentially the way that each section of phase one has went there have been three sections it's been adult novel middle grades young reader and then the two comic series and then it'll be they'll repeat it it'll be adult novel middle grades young reader and two more comics, two more comic arcs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they released, they finally are in the process of releasing all of uh, the, the material that's going to be part of section three of phase one. Well, okay. they announced on the star Wars, the high Republic show, which is a uh, on star Wars YouTube. They revealed that phase two of the high Republic is going to be going back even further in the past than the current set of stories in phase one. So, they left a big cliffhanger in the third adult novel, and then they're just going to completely let that sit on the back burner while they tell a, a completely different set of stories 150 years further in the past. I, I find wow. that that's very bold, and I wonder what the end game is. How how are they going to connect what's happening 150 years ago to what's happening in the current 200 years? uh before episode one how is it how is that all going to tie together it's anyway (laughs) i guess we kind of have to wait until whatever this phase three uh to tie it all together okay so this is all from what i remember it's all what books and comic books and you said there was some online stuff so there's there's books comic books uh there they announced a video game uh, okay. To be set in the High Republic era, as well as the, uh, if you remember, the the Star Wars Acolyte series. That okay. also is, a, it's a future Disney Plus series that's supposed to air at the tail end of the High Republic, which would push, be closer to the time frame of the Phantom Menace, but not, you know, right, you know, uh, adjacent to 
Uh, but it's, you know, the, the Acolyte show is supposed to deal with some more dark side elements. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, it, it's basically, it started out as books. It's, it was, you know, it's going to increase to video games and streaming shows as well. So it's a huge initiative. And I wonder how all of this is going to play out. It, it's, it's interesting. Awesome. Now, is that something that's easy to get into or is it, does, is there a lot of material and it's going to take a long time to get caught up on that stuff? If you really wanted to get into it and you didn't have time to invest in every single piece of material that comes out of the high Republic, like, or if you, you know, if you didn't want to read the, the middle grades or the young readers or even the comics, you could read just the three adult novels. You could read light of the Jedi, the rising storm and the fallen star and have enough of an idea of the, the story that's being told everything else. While all this, you know, all the other stuff, tells a complete story it features characters from the books and the books feature characters from the comics so if you wanted to know absolutely every little event that's going on in the high republic it can be very daunting because i mean you've got new comics that come out every month so there's a lot if you wanted to absorb all of it but if you wanted to get just a high level overview and get the main plot of the Mm -hmm. high republic you could just read the adult novels Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know for some fans, like for me who haven't gotten started and there's already all this material, sometimes it becomes a daunting process and people are like, ah, I'm never going to get into that. Right. You know, but it sounds like a really interesting series, you know, and you seem to really be on fire for it. So definitely keep us updated here on the show. We'll definitely, you know, discuss that. I'd love to hear your insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I'm already invested in it, so I'm going to continue. <laughs> Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely so i think that takes care of all the star trek and star wars news that's come out i think so uh i i think you know we've got a lot coming in 2022 so for you and i who are fans of both we have a lot uh of uh of stuff to put on our plate to watch and there'll be plenty of uh of um leftovers for seconds and third helpings so oh uh, absolutely i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna feel like a hobbit with all of the uh the the delicious morsels of star trek and star wars that we're going to be getting oh i know it's going to be really exciting i think we have a pretty good map of what our year is going to be here on the show (laughs) oh for sure for sure yeah and that's always a good feeling yeah absolutely so i think we uh for the last little bit of the show we're not going to get too in-depth because i know you're not totally caught up on prodigy but we're just going to kind of give our our thoughts on the first uh you know our last episode we talked about the season premiere of prodigy Mm -hmm. and how we really loved it uh for this discussion we're going to talk prodigy a little bit more but it's going to be a little bit more high level just overview of what we think of the characters what we think of where the show where we think the show might be going in the direction that it's heading and at this point there have been eight of the 10 episodes in part one of season two that have aired um so of of course anything that we say could be proven completely false but hey what what, you know what's what is uh the fun of being a fan if you're not going to wildly speculate Exactly. That's probably one of the best parts is sitting around just kind of talking about it with your buddies or online with your friends from all over the world, you know? Yeah. So what I'm really enjoying about the show right now, I think the best part about it is, is at at the core of the show, it's Star Trek without a doubt. It's definitely got a totally different format. I mean, you you have no Starfleet crew whatsoever. Uh, You just got this motley crew of, of, 
people just kind of coming together and finding this advanced ship. But it's children basically this time, children and adolescents who are coming together. Mm -hmm. And they're actually realizing that there's more to life than just being a slave or whatever they they're doing on that mining planet, you know, and they're actually starting to see that there's life outside there and there are adventures and, and fun things that you can do. And you're, they're learning about what the Federation is and how people can actually look past their differences and come together and work toward common goals. And that's basically what Star Trek is all about, you know, is coming together despite your differences for a common goal to go and explore. You know, and, and and I think that's something that's been kind of missing from some of the Star Trek in the last couple of years is that sense of exploring and that of, that wow, we're out in space. This is so cool. This is so new. I, I just it just seemed more like dark stuff that's been going on with Star Trek. It's kind of like going backwards rather than moving optimistically moving forward. Mm-hmm. And we're actually getting that in this show with, with these characters. And so that's what the big part of Prodigy has been for me. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the one of the things that really is resonating with me is I love how the show is bringing the messages and the i the ideologies of Starfleet, and it's using that to teach a lesson to the audience. Which you know, the audience uh, I hope is is families you know sitting on the couch together, you know, mom, dad, or just or one of the two, and the kids just sitting together watching Star Trek and and. And uh, you know, a way for parents who are fans of Star Trek to bring their kids into the franchise. This is a perfect, perfect uh, slice of of what you know is necessary. Uh, you know, to to get a new generation of of kids interested in Star Trek and and make sure that the the franchise continues to grow and and evolve uh, for years and years to come. I I, I like how. You know the the major direction of the show really seems to be centering around Dahl and how mm-hmm. he is learning to grow as a person, how how he's learning to rely on others uh, and develop a sense of trust and 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 begin to trust other people for the first time in his life. Right, exactly. He's basically been on his own uh, basically his whole life, even in in the I believe it was the. The episode, I think it was number four, where they went onto that planet and they started seeing like, visions of things. I guess it was those live, those live vines or whatever that, that was going after them. But you can see that he, what he always wanted was to have his mom and dad around. Um, and he never had that. He's always been on his own. He's been an orphan, you know. And so now he has to learn how to trust other people besides himself and, and learn to let people in rather than pushing everybody away. You know, and I think that's going to resonate with a lot of kids that watch the show. I mean, with me, I've worked mostly with children and adolescent therapy, and that's what a lot of kids want is they want that connection with people instead of constantly pushing people away. They want to trust, but they never can. They feel Mm -hmm. like if they let their guards down, you know, they're going to get hurt again. Right. So you're right. So I think that's going to be you're right. I think that's definitely going to be an evolution with doll. I also like um, with the uh, diviner's daughter. Is it Gwen? I think Gwen. Gwen. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Gwen. I think she's starting to see she's always lived. It seems to me like she's always lived kind of a spoiled, privileged kind of life. And I don't think she ever really understood the behind the scenes of what her father was doing. And I think as she's with this crew, she's going to realize, my gosh, a lot of what I learned in my life has been a bunch of BS, you know, yeah. and, and people have been, you know, being mistreated by my, her father and then through extension of her, you know, and I think she's going to be 
it's going to be like a, a learning experience for her in, in, in terms of changing who she is and learning to, to tolerate people and fight for good rather than be blinded to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Her and the, like we're, we're starting to discover some of the abilities that she has in her, her, um, it's, it's almost like she has some sort of connection to the protostar and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, right. And, and, Obviously, we're just giving a a high level overview. So, you know, if the answers have all been revealed in the episodes that we haven't watched yet, hey, you know, we could be completely off base with this. But I, I think the direction it's going is is very much, you know, we're we're finding out, you know, little by little, we're finding out, uh, we're we're seeing Doll grow. We're seeing Gwen realize that uh, her upbringing may have been for ulterior motives, and everything yes. that she knows is is, you know, it's it's because the it's almost like she's the one that has to do the work for the diviner because he's physically incapable mm-hmm. of. So it's yep. like you know, it, it seems like that's the direction it's going. Um. I am switching directions a little bit. I am loving the Janeway hologram, by the way. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. She is one of my favorite parts of the show. And I know we don't get her too much, but that's perfect because we get her. We get we get just the right amount of Janeway in, in the episodes that she's been in so far. I mean, her introduction uh, the very first time in, in, um, in the episode where uh, they accidentally go get too close to the collapsing star you know that's where we first meet the janeway hologram and uh <laughs> just I, I i loved her retort i loved her her clap back at jankum pog uh mm-hmm. saying you don't look so hot yourself teller right <laughs> yeah exactly you know what speaking of that that is one question that i i am having about the show i i don't know if it's you're just doing it because or whatever but there's a mix of alpha quadrant and delta quadrant aliens in the delta mm-hmm. quadrant so i don't know i like i said i haven't finished all of the episodes yet but i don't know if they are going to explain that or not yeah um, it's how are yeah how are these characters getting to uh how are they getting to the delta quadrant how are you know how how did a tellerite end up in the in the delta quadrant right exactly now i it, i did pick up something that i thought was interesting in, in the the part one of that that living planet thing at one point jankum pog made a comment about a tellerite sleeper ship so i'm wondering if that if that was a little nugget that got planted in there or if that hmm. was just some random comment um so yeah that I mean that i wasn't sure exactly how all that was happening i didn't know if they were just saying all oh, the heck with it let's just mix up the 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 races, it's no big deal, uh-huh. you know, but I, for a longer term fans, that, that's like raises those obvious questions. Like, how did that happen? Sure. You know? Sure. So there might be with 20 episodes of season one, there's there's a lot more things I think are going to be, you know, unfolded. And we're going to find out some of those answers. You yeah. Know? But that's just a, that's just a little thing that I've been wondering is where that mix has come from. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you uh, you you said you've only watched the first half of the the planet. Yeah, you know, where they get uh, where they crash land and the planet is trying to basically use them as sustenance. Yes. Yeah. So the second half of that episode, we get a, an interesting uh, bit of info about Janeway as well and how, yes, she's a hologram. She's a training hologram, but it, it's like she the, the the hologram was programmed with all of the 
the the missions and everything and all the decisions that Janeway made, but it's like they've given the program a bit of autonomy to think like Janeway, not not just rely on what she had had she what she had already done to escape a situation, but using uh-huh. the way the unique way that Janeway thought to get her you know get the crew of the protostar out of the situation they're in she's thinking outside of the box which is pretty cool for a hologram you know so yes. she has a yeah. bit more autonomy than say the emh did yes. in voyager mm-hmm. although i don't quite think it's to the level where if there's obviously you know janeway the, the janeway hologram doesn't have the ability to tap into all the ship systems or else why is why was the protostar still buried on that planet if Janeway could have get, gotten the ship out of there, right? So Absolutely. she's obviously, she's limited in what she can do. She needs right. real, she needs people with hands-on control, so she can't, you know, pilot the ship herself. Right. Um, yeah, I and, and oh, you. I know you haven't quite, you know, made it to the, the most current episodes, but mm-hmm. we get a big reveal about the Protostar. Um, okay. and, and what makes it so special okay excellent good so i'm looking forward to seeing that yeah kind of getting back to what you were saying about the holograms you're right that the janeway hologram does definitely seem very independent and she is based on probably a lot of what captain janeway her skill ability i'm sure they downloaded some of her engrams or something into the computer program to make that happen it's kind of like that with the emh um he was a lot like the uh like lewis zimmerman in in temperament um and then he also had the uh, the medical knowledge of, I guess he had, they put the knowledge of like Dr. McCoy and other Starfleet uh, doctors into him as well. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of like the, the Janeway hologram in that regard, just not as advanced. One thing I did notice about Janeway's hologram is yes, she can move around the ship freely, mm-hmm. which the mm-hmm. doctor couldn't do unless he had the mobile emitter. I was hoping that maybe when Voyager got back, that maybe they were able to crack the secret of the hollow emitter. So yeah. that way, maybe Janeway could actually leave the ship with them. But right. I guess that's not going to happen unless something unexpectedly pops up as we as we go on here. Um, but I, I think the show is really, really good. I think it's it's reaching the audience it's supposed to be. It's definitely mm-hmm. touching the older Star Trek fans. They're loving it. And being a part of Trek Twitter, I've been watching or seeing pictures of fans They've been posting pictures of their younger kids actually watching Prodigy either with them or just on their own. So it is starting to hit the the next next generation Good. of Star Trek fans. You know, um, I'm just waiting to see when the Murph stuffed animals come out. <laughs> it, it's coming. It's coming. I don't know. Again, like I've said before, I don't think Murph is going to be like Grogu in terms of popularity. I could be wrong, but you know it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's but the thing, you know, Murph is going to have to be uh, he's going to have to be made out of a like a a, a stretchier material because yes. uh, the way that he can manipulate himself like uh, you know a murph uh stuffed animal just made out of cloth is not you know or cotton or whatever is not going to have the the properties that he needs to really be a, a representation of murph so like i'm i'm kind of envisioning almost like a a stuffed animal a stuffed animal meets stretch armstrong that would be really cool. The other thing I was kind of thinking of, too, is he seems kind of gelatinous. Um, yeah. And I, I know a lot of the kids nowadays, as a coping strategy for anger, they like to use slime. So I keep hmm. or some sort of like goo or whatever. So I'm yeah. thinking that they'll probably make a Murph, you know, either a, some sort of squeezable toy or, 
you know, just have like Murph that you can take out of the container and just right. mold with your hands, that kind of stuff. I can see that happening yeah. too. Or we get nothing like that at all. And everyone's <laughs> just disappointed. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. I know one of the biggest episodes of, of the show so far is something that you haven't gotten to watch, but uh-huh. it's, it's the one that's getting a lot of buzz and talk online is the, the Kobayashi episode. I okay. can't wait till you watch that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think, I know you. Yeah, I mean, I know you're tangentially aware of uh, the overall idea of the episode, but I don't want to give anything away. But mm-hmm. I, let's just suffice it to say that the episode works for animation. I mm-hmm. don't think there's any way, anyhow, that it could have worked as a live action episode. Just, and I think you'll realize when you watch it. You might see what I mean without I don't want to give it away and we can always revisit this topic uh, sure. once you've had a chance to see it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we get in episodes five, six and seven, we get some pretty big uh, reveals about the protostar that I think are going to answer a lot of questions for you and for and mm-hmm. the questions that I had prior to. Uh, watching those episodes, um, yeah, it, it, I like. I'm really, really, I'm just really enjoying how the whole mystery about the protostar and how these uh, these teenagers and kids uh, got to uh, the planet and how you know and how they're growing together as a, as a crew as a family. Um, yes, I, I I I'm definitely have really high hopes for the show um, and for the rest of it. Oh, me too. Me too. It's going to be fun. And I, I, like I said, now that um, I have more access to the computer for now, I'm going to be going and getting into these episodes fast because I really want to catch up with you and see what's going on. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think on that note, we've kind of uh, talked about everything that we really can um, yes. without getting too much into spoiler territory. Suffice it to say, if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you have not yet started Star Trek Prodigy, please do yourself a favor, watch it. If you have kids, watch it with them. It doesn't matter how old the kids are. If you know, I mean, obviously it's designed for younger kids, but you know, if your kids are teens or older, still may, make time as a family to watch it. You will not be disappointed if you like Star Trek and mm-hmm. you're, you're looking for a way to, you know, share your love of Star Trek with, uh, with your kids and, and, and keep it going for another generation. Um, Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts from you? Not really at this point. I just, I'm just amazed at how much Star Trek is actually here for the fans now. I mean, it, it's, it's like a dream come true, you know, and uh, just five shows at one time. I mean, the most we'd ever gotten was two at a time. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was amazing. Now we've got to like, it's going to be stretched out, you know, consistently. I think that, you know, they're, Paramount Plus is actually building the the franchise up so that it's continuous rather than like there being breaks where people have to be like, oh, man, we got to wait three months for the, you know, there's always going to be something to keep us mm-hmm. um, satiated. Sure, you know? sure. And um, and I love that the the little kids are starting to get into it now. And, you know, I love that there's still all this great attention to diversity and the the special effects are top notch and. You know, I, I just think it's a great time. It's a second golden era for Star Trek, and it, it's, I'm glad to, to be a part of it and that we can report on it. That's going to do it for episode 13 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Star Trek and Star Wars news, as well as 
uh, a high-level overview of Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, until we record again, until we're in your ear holes, may that force be with you. And live long and prosper. Thank <laughs> you.